Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament Lectionary Podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Rachel Wren, and I teach biblical studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary. And I am Paul Essa. I study biblical studies in the PhD program at Yale University. We are coming to you live today from the Gloria Day Chapel of Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capitol University. And we even have a live studio audience today with us. Say hi, everybody. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> today, we will be recording all four of the year's Advent episodes in front of this wonderful group of people. This is our first time, and we want to say a big thank you to everybody at Trinity Lutheran Seminary for inviting us to present in this way. And so our first reading this Advent comes on December 3rd, 2023. And Rachel, I'm pretty sure you are the point person for this episode. So why are you going to take us I hope this? I'm the point person because otherwise we're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So so this is the first Sunday of year B, which centers in the book of Mark for all you RCL nerds out there. And anybody who's been preaching from the RCL for a while gets to this Sunday and goes, oh, gosh, because the gospel text assigned for this Sunday is Mark 13. And it's that crazy sort of apocalyptic interlude in what is otherwise a very straightforward Jesus in Mark's gospel. Uh, it's mm -hmm. actually one of my favorite gospel texts, but that doesn't mean much. So, you know, we'll just go from there. <laughs> if you're the type of person who regularly preaches from the gospel reading, you might get to this Sunday and think, uh, I'm going to sneak a peek at the first reading to see if it offers any relief. But no. That's third Isaiah talking about how the exilic Israelites have, quote, become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth, end mm. quote, the gospel of the Lord. <laughs> so your options at this point are to preach a tough gospel text, preach a tough first reading or punt and switch to either the psalm or the epistle. Before you run straight into Paul's arms, and I mean the biblical writer, not you, Paul Esa, <laughs> I might recommend pausing in the psalm. And surprise, surprise, that's where I'm going to focus today. Mm, so you mean Psalm 80, am I correct? I do. Psalm 80, and they give us verses 1 through 7, and then they jump to 17 through 19. And Paul, what do you think I'm going to say next? Should we keep the chunks? <laughs> yeah, you're going to talk about shepherds, right? I, I'm going to talk about the whole thing, because that's what I the hope preachers thing, would do yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think there's a, there's a couple pieces of historical context that are really helpful to understand about this text. And, yeah. and just like you said, first, you'll note that it starts off with this image of a shepherd. So, mm -hmm. Paul, we're in Advent. Com Christmas is coming up. We're Christians. Mm -hmm. What is mm -hmm. any self-respecting Christian's mind going to go to if we talk about shepherds in Advent? Mm, definitely, yeah. Shepherds, magi, you know, gifts, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. The little baby Jesus, the shepherds who were yes. the first non-family members to visit the tiny baby Jesus with the golden fleece diapers, Talladega Nights, anybody? I'm, I'm dating myself here, but I'm getting some thumbs up. Yeah. It's a natural connection for us to make, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, if we jump there too quickly, we, of course, miss the depth and the meaning of this image that it had in the ancient Near East. So, right, shepherd of Israel doesn't actually picture God as a humble sheep herder on the margins of society, which is often the way we talk about shepherds in Jesus's time, that they were the outcasts that nobody wanted anything to do with. 
Shepherd mm-hmm. instead was a common metaphor for a king in the ancient Near East. So places like Egypt, Mesopotamia, Israel, they all had texts or images that depicted kings as shepherds. So when the psalm starts out, O shepherd of Israel, it's a metaphorical way of calling God king. Mm, very much so, Rachel. I think that in the rest of the psalm, right, the entire book of the psalm, where the motif of shepherding actually also appears along with God, they depict God as doing both the daily work of a shepherd but also some kind of kingly things, right? Yeah. I'm thinking here of, of some 23, some 28, some 37, some 49, yes. some 78, <laughs> you know, where God is nursing, God is providing, but also God is appointing and God is directing yes. and God is reigning, right? All of right. that are very much kingly. Yeah, no, exactly. There's that like dual, dual layer of it with the humble daily actions, but then this this giant metaphor of ruling and and providing mm-hmm. and taking care of you. I'm mm-hmm. impressed by the number of psalms you were able to to just pull out right there. That was awesome. <laughs> now, if we look at the Hebrew, this psalm actually starts out in an odd linguistic way. So, typical Hebrew sentence structure. If you're in my classes, you know that it goes first the verb, then the subject than the object. So whereas in English, we would say, I go to the store. Hebrew says, go I to the store in a typical sentence structure. This one flips that order. Instead of beginning with the verb, it actually starts with the subject, with God's title. Mm -hmm. Roe Yisrael, shepherd of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, in Hebrew, as we know, flipping the sentence structure can be a way to draw attention to something, to to highlight something or to make your ear like listen up. Right. Uh, it, and that's exactly what the psalmist is doing here. Shepherd of mm-hmm. Israel, listen up. Um, if it if it sounds a little bit like friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. That's exactly what's going on here. In fact, the very next word after shepherd of Israel is Hebrew for essentially lend me your ear. Right. That's right. <laughs> so. And this pattern, this switching around of the sentence structure to highlight the subject, God, it continues in the next few verses. So Mm -hmm. verse one starts, shepherd of Israel, listen up. In the next clause of verse one, it's leader of Joseph like a flock, enthroned one upon the cherubim, shine forth. Mm -hmm. Verse three begins, God, restore us. And verse four starts, Adonai, God of hosts. So there's a crescendo that's taking place here. There's a progressive building of more intense titles that begins in verse one and culminates in verse four. It goes from shepherd to flock leader to enthroned one to God, Elohim. And then they finally, in verse four, break out the tetragrammaton, the holy name of God, Adonai, God of hosts, which could also be translated Adonai, God of armies, how long. Mm. So so these crescendoing names for God culminate in this passionate question, accusation even on the part of the psalmist, how long? Yeah. You know, this reminds me a lot of uh, something in most West African cultures, which is when someone invites you to a discussion and begins by calling your name multiple times, maybe three or four times. It is a huge sign that, you know, something not so pleasant is following that. Right? It's either going to be followed by something uncomfortable, something like a warning or a request that you should seriously consider. And so this sort of crescendoing, the way you said it, it reminds me a lot of that. Oh, that's fascinating. I never <laughs> knew that. 
So if you start calling my name multiple times in the midst of this podcast, I should just stop talking, Paul. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, it depends yeah. on the context, of course. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a great analogy because the, the psalmist is like, it has a definite beef with God in this psalm, which is what we don't get in that middle chunk. Um, mm -hmm. Before I get to that beef, though, you know, uh, the I just want to note that at the very end of the psalm, the psalm turns back to petition again. Um, they ask for God's presence and blessing for their leader so that they can be a community centered on God. And it finishes with a quiet, almost desperately hopeful request for God to restore the community, to let the divine face shine. Uh, and it's in that last verse that we return to the pattern of the first few verses of upending Hebrew sentence structure by fronting the divine name. Adonai Elohim Sevaot. Adonai, God of hosts, restore us. Let mm. your face shine so that we may be saved. Mm. I, I'm pretty sure there's something preachable here. You know, uh -huh. there's, there's something about the way the asking is done, the way the calling on God's yeah. name is done. Perhaps it is the boldness, the determination, the sort of yeah. desperation you know, with which they ask God to show up, show up God. Yes. Um, and even and even stronger when it is collective, right? It's communal. It's yes. it's a bunch of people doing the asking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is not an individual psalmist. This is a group of people. And that part that we missed describes the community like a vine that God brought out of Egypt, planted, tended, and then just sort of turned over to the wild animals and the passersby to just kind of destroy and decimate. And the community is A, wondering, how long and be wondering, seriously, right. God, like this yeah, is what yeah, you're yeah. going to do. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think another yeah. preaching tip that we could do um, is to focus on the direction of the Psalm. Um, I don't know about in your community, Paul, but in Advent, in my community, in the Lutheran church, we preach uh -huh. a lot in Advent about preparing ourselves for God's arrival. You know, we've got mm -hmm. tons of hymns about prepare the royal highway, the king nice. of kings is near. You know, it's all about the preparations we do for God yeah. to enter our lives. But this psalm pushes pastors not to focus on our self-preparation. Instead, it invites sermons to focus really on what God is doing. Mm -hmm. the, the psalmists of this psalm know that they have no other options. They've got nowhere else to go, and no preparation on their part is going to do any good. Uh, mm -hmm. Quite frankly, they're not very happy with God about that. That's right, yeah. And, and we can really feel that human struggle but at the same time, their struggle has placed them in a position to be really uniquely attentive to what God is doing or what God is about to do in their lives. And I could see some really productive sermons from that mm, angle. Yeah, uh, certain, certainly. I, I I can for sure see that the way the lyric is you know, put out and the way the, the words flow, it could be sung even, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think one preaching pitfall that I might point to, and this really could be a preaching pitfall or an angle, um, for, for some folks, a sermon like this might hit too close to home. Um, mm. This is a communal psalm again, which means the psalmist is a multiple. Um, so if your community is going through a tough time, it might be too much to preach from a psalm that mirrors a similar struggle. Um, or yeah. perhaps it could be cathartic. I could see printing off like little cards with these crescendoing names of God for people to take with them and pray as they go about their week. Shepherd of yeah. Israel, leader of Joseph, enthroned one, Adonai, God of hosts, restore us. Um, yeah. I would like having something concrete to take with me. So I could see that. <laughs> yeah, I would I would like to go out with something like that as well, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
I think one final little Hebrew tidbit I might lift up. Um, I don't often like to jump to Jesus in the Psalms because we have a long Uh history of doing that and doing damage either to the Psalms or to our Jewish siblings in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, But in this sermon on the first Sunday of Advent, I think I'd be willing to make an exception because of the final word of the Psalm. The final word is V'nivashea. Venivashea. I mean, right there, right? Just jumps you right to Jesus. No, I'm kidding. I'll I'll walk you there. Um, (laughs) Let me break it down. This is a nifal of the verb yasha, which means to be saved. And yasha shares a root with the Hebrew version of the name of Jesus, Yehoshua. So our final prayer in this psalm is a request to be saved. And when we read that in Hebrew, our mouth forms the sounds of Jesus's name. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. You did, you, you did it so nicely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you. You found a way to bring Jesus in. And I, I think that... <laughs> uh, I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, on, on such a special day, ending on the Jesus note is a great way to finish this podcast. And so thank you, Rachel, for walking us through the prayers, the hopes, the preaching tips of the psalm. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> thank you. All right, folks, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. So first reading is produced by Rachel and me, along with the fabulous Rosie and Tim. You can learn more about us and find past episodes on our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, my name is Paul Essa. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy Advent. Oh, I am next. (laughs) It's still me. Okay. Sorry.